Well, praise the Lord. I feel way too far back. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Well, I am super excited for what God has spoken. Why don't you grab your seats? Before I take off, I want to give honor to the set man, woman of God. There is none like them. God loved the people of San Jose, California so much that he gave you shepherds with a heart to love you. God loved you so much, he brought a man back to his roots. For those of you that don't know, I was born and raised right here in San Jose, California. Played Little League down the street at Santa Teresa. Grew up off of Center Road, off of Capitol. Went to Andrew Hill High School, class of 89. And now I live in the Great Valley of Merced a minister of the gospel, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. But this is what I love. For years, a man and a woman have used a three-letter word to honor God. This family has used this word when it was good, when it was bad, and when they had to deal with you. They've used this word to find strength when they felt weak. They've used this word to find hope when hope was deferred. You know what that little word is? It's called yes. And so I'm so thankful for a man and a woman, such as your pastor, Pastor Michael, and his lovely wife, Pastor Yvonne, that have continually used this three little word, letter word, to get out of bed, to read their Bible, to stay consistent in prayer, that they might have food to feed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and truth. The blessing of the Lord is generational because this ministry has been passed down and it will be passed on. You know what is so amazing to me? is so many people focus on generational curses. I to break these generational curses off my life. Well, the curse was broken at Calvary, just to let you know. But you want to know what? More people focus on the negative than they do the positive. And so did you know that you have a generational well full of glory? So watch this. If you understand the power of sonship, you have a father. That minister has ministered years, and they had a minister minister unto them. You realize, for me, the well that I speak out of is over a hundred years old. Meaning, the people that pour into my life, and the years that God has poured into mine, now when I pour into you, that's why some people think, God, he's a deep well. Well, it's because the generational blessing in my life started with my father. Then I have spiritual fathers, Dr. Kelly Varner, who's gone to be with the Lord. Bishop Tony Miller, who's gone to be with the Lord. These men served God 40 and 50 years, and they all poured into my life. And so when I speak, I don't speak out of the 30 years that I served God. I speak from the posture of my well. The well is deep. Your well is deeper than you know. 
But if you focus on the lesser, not the greater, you get stuck fighting a battle that's already won. So, Father, I pray today that you would use me as the oracle you've called me to be to speak a word that would bring change into the hearts of a people. I thank you for the set man and woman of God. And Father, as we honor them in their calling, we honor you. I thank you for the pouring out of your spirit and your goodness being made known. I thank you for the power of every prophetic word that will come forth in demonstration, for every healing that will manifest, for your glory being made known. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. and We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. If I can, I'm going to start in the book of Judges. I'm going to start in a very familiar portion of Scripture to many of you. It's found in the book of Judges, the 16th chapter. It's the story of a man by the name of Samson. Samson is a man called by God to bring about the beginnings or the birth pains of Israel's deliverance. We understand that he was born to a man by the name of Manoah, whose name means rest, and his mother's name is unknown. But we know that the mother was meditating in the field when an angel came. When we look at the word angel, we must understand that it means messenger of God. Can I tell you that when God sends a messenger, it's because he's setting up a territory to transition. And today there is many people that need to hear from God because there's a lot of transitioning taking place within the earth. Can I tell you today that the world has embraced something called progressive Christianity? What is progressive Christianity? When the gospel no longer becomes about Christ and it becomes about you. Where the gospel is no longer about living consecrated and righteous and holy. It's about doing what pleases your heart because God wants you happy. Can I proclaim to you that God is not looking to make you happy. He's looking to transition you into salvation. He's longing to bring you into captivity of obedience. My Bible teaches me that the Apostle Paul says that I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning my life doesn't exist for me. It exists for the sole purpose of what? Advancing the kingdom. I am here to proclaim to you today that progressive Christianity has creeped into the church, that it has creeped into the lives of a younger generation, and now they no longer think that the gospel is a message of truth. It's just a good story. And it's there to just make me feel good. Can I proclaim to you that when we study, we have preached Jesus from a wrong perspective. We have preached him from the place where the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman, he'll never force me to do anything. Well, how many of you know the, the scriptures show us that in type and in shadow in the Old Testament, Christ is concealed, but the New Testament, Christ is revealed. The Bible says that the volume of the book is written of him. I'm here to let you know that the Old Testament is relevant as the New Testament, but people don't understand how to discover the Christ. And so what they have done is they have taken 
the Old Testament and made it invalid compared to the New Testament because they don't understand that the Old Testament carries the same weight as the New. And what we have done is we have made it of no power and no effect. Can I tell you that's called the tradition of men? And can I tell you the traditions, traditions in churches are changing? Churches no longer have altar calls. Churches no longer want to pray for the sick. The church no longer wants to speak in tongues. The church tells me all the things that it does not believe because progressive Christianity comes to take away to make it all about you. I'm here to tell you that is one of the most dangerous gospels that can ever be preached. It's one of the most hideous things I've ever heard. Why? Because it teaches us it's more about me than it is about him. And I'm here to proclaim to you, I don't live. It is he who lives in me. Can I proclaim to you that I came to a place where I laid down my life and I was born again. An old man passed so a new man could live. My Bible teaches me that I am not a physical being, but I am a spirit being. So I don't live this life for me. I live it for him and him only. I am called by God to be a word spoken. I am called to be a hand of demonstration. I'm called to be a life laid down that the heart of another can be changed and transformed. But when the gospel becomes about you, you lose power because you've accepted the traditions of a world. Can I tell you one of the craziest things that is taking place in the world is this they are telling you that there is other gods that you can serve and there's other ways into heaven but my bible tells me no one can come to the father except through the son can i proclaim to you that we need to return to the power of order we need to return back to the gospel of the kingdom for the kingdom kingdom of god is not hidden from you, it's hidden for you to discover the truth of who he is and understand your citizenship is not of this earth but in heavenly places. The moment you begin to understand who you are and whose you are, you'll begin to live from another perspective. You'll no longer speak from the, real, the realities of the realms of this world, but you'll begin to speak from the place you are seated. My Bible and yours will tell you that you are seated where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm here to proclaim to you that when you lose the reality of where you're seated, you will speak from a lesser realm and there you will be deceived. I am here to remind you in the book of Judges, there's the story of a man by the name of Samson. In chapter 16, in verse number 19, and the Bible says that Delilah pestered Samson until he was fully vexed. And she said these words, tell me, where does your great strength lie? You have lied to me all these times, but if you love me, can I tell you, it was all about herself. Can I tell you what happened to Samson? And it's happening today in the body of Christ. There is a people growing tired waiting for a righteous man or a righteous woman. So they marry themselves unto a foreigner. When a man marries himself unto a foreigner, he sets himself to be deceived. Can I remind you that when a man by the name of Balaam was called by the king to bring and bewitch Israel, every time Balaam was taken up to a high hill and looked down and the king was saying, curse Israel, he could not. 
And the reason he could not curse it because Israel would set camp in the form of the cross. How many of you know the Bible says that Christ who hung on the tree became a curse for us. So when you look down in the Old Testament from a hill looking down into a valley, there is a tree. How many of you know that there is a tree in the story of Samson, excuse me, in the story of David and Goliath? I am here to remind you that that tree has power. That tree is synonymous with the cross. How many of you know Jesus went to the cross to be a curse for you and I. We must understand that when we are of the cross, if we are a people that believe in the word, we are not a cursed people, we are a blessed people. And this man, this prophet, this oracle, he was paid to bring a curse against Israel. But every time he looked down and he went to start with a curse, he ended up speaking a what? A blessing. Can I tell you, my Bible and yours teaches us something very simplistic. In the book of of, of Ephesians chapter one, it says that the Lord hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessing. I'm here to tell you that that word is past tense. God is not looking to bless you. You're blessed already. I'm here to tell you it's time that you and I begin to manifest the blessing that is already established. When you understand who you are, you won't be begging God to do what he's already done. You are the healed. You are the delivered. You are the sanctified. You are the righteousness. You are the truth living in the earth to be an expression and demonstrate the power of who he is. Can I tell you what the church is doing? It's it's embracing this progressive Christianity and these people are becoming isolated, trying to live a life in their own righteousness. But how many of you know that I'm righteous because he is righteous? I'm holy because he is holy. Can I tell you that when we try to preach this gospel of separation and it's we become in, in love with the false Jesus, we simply say words like this, I love God, so it's all about me and him. And he wants to give me the desires of his heart. Can I proclaim to you that when a man loves God but does not love God's people, something is out of order because you can't love a God vertically and not love his people horizontally because that's the cross I'm here to proclaim to you that people are trying to live the gospel without the power of the cross without the power of sanctification without the power of his holiness and can I tell you when we try to live a life unto ourselves we're in error one of the things that we need to come back to is recognizing That the church has built up walls and we have isolated ourselves from the ways of the world. And the ways of the world are spreading like an epidemic and it's teaching our children. And it's ministering and it's isolating and it's causing them havoc and trouble and pain. Why? Because the church has been so separated from the world. But my Bible teaches me that Jesus hung out amongst the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He was not afraid of the world. Why? Because he understood a simple philosophy in the kingdom and in my righteousness that comes not from my works but from the works of my father I am insulated from the ways of the world can I proclaim to you that we have preached isolation in the church stay away from the things of the world what we should be preaching is insulation that when I come amongst the ways of the world the ways of the world have no influence because I'm surrounded by righteousness I'm surrounded by truth I'm surrounded by a God who is holy and he will deliver me from the falls of the enemy. I'm here to proclaim to you when you understand who you are, who 
whose you are and understand the power of the kingdom that lives inside of you, you will not be one taken advantage of, but you will go into dark places and take, take it for the kingdom. You will let the light shine, and when the light shines, darkness will flee. I'm here to proclaim to you, you don't have to fear the enemy. The enemy is fearful of you. You are a people of the kingdom, a people of power, a people of authority, a people of dominion. You are called to be what? More than conquerors. You are called by God to be possessors of land. You are called to be men and women of dominion. But if you don't know who you are, you will live from the house of God as a pauper or a slave instead of as a son and a citizen. Today, there's people that are living in the kingdom as slaves. Not bond servants to Christ, but slaves in the house of God because they don't know what to do. They come to you, the man of God. They come to the pastor, the leadership, the fivefold, and they say, tell me what to do. Yes. And I proclaim to you, if you don't know what you're called to do, you haven't spent time in prayer. Hallelujah. If you don't know what God has put inside of you, it's because you haven't discovered your gifting and your skill set. Can I remind you of a story found in the book of Matthew? What is it? Chapter 25. There was three men that God gave unto each of them. And he gave them a different measure. The word measure means metron. It speaks of the anointing. He gave one man five talents, another man two, and a last man one. Can I tell you that the talents are all symbolic of him? Can I simply remind you that when you know you have him, you have more than enough. The man with five, what did he do? He took it and went to work and he turned five into ten. The man that had two, he went to work and what did he do? He turned two into four. But the man who had one didn't realize what he had, so what did he do? He buried it. Can I proclaim to you that there is a people that are bearing the gospel of the kingdom? They're bearing their talents. Why? Because they're afraid to do one thing and one thing only, and that's work. Oh, I'm not saying you do works to get under the king and the, into the kingdom. I'm saying you're afraid to do the work of the gospel. You're afraid to get your hands dirty. You're afraid to open your mouth. You're afraid to say something. You take it that Jesus is a hard man, and that's exactly what the scripture says. And what did he do? He went and he buried his talent in the earth. That means you have not come out of Adam. What was Adam created from the dust of the earth? Here is a man that is called to live according to the kingdom, but he's still burying things in Adam. He's still hiding. He's still hidden. He doesn't understand who he is. He'd rather preserve what he has instead of expanding it. There's so many people that are crying out for financial provision and breakthrough, crying out that God would provide. And guess what's happening? They are thinking that it's like the lottery ticket that God's just going to send them a million. It's like you're going to Vegas and you put it all on red or all on black and you expect that you're going to win and all the money comes. Can I tell you that's not how the kingdom works. When you begin to pray and ask God for provision, guess what he does? He will send you ideas of a job. He'll send you ideas a thought of what you could do and you think that's your thought. No, that's his thought to come out of the way of lack, to come into abundance. But what we're saying is, no, no, no. I just want to do one thing and be blessed. Can I tell you that you got to have three and four and five streams of incomes in this hour you can't be afraid to do it all but can i tell you what all people want i want all to do it for me no and so what has happened is the church has been lulled to sleep by foreign things by foreign women when the church is lulled to sleep they recognize samson recognized that delilah 
whose name means choice vine of deception. He recognized that she was a deceiving picture. She was a picture that was pulling him away from the things of God. He recognized it, but yet he still entertained it. Can I tell you today that there is a lot of people that are entertaining things they don't like? There's many people who say, AI is of the devil. AI is the new antichrist. But can I tell you? It's not the technology that's the devil. It's the hands that use it. Can I tell you that if the church doesn't get involved and start using technology to advance the kingdom, the world will use it to advance darkness. And what we're doing is we're standing at opposite ends and saying, that's not God, 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 that's not God. And the world saying, you're right. Let it be used of the devil so we can propagate this doctrine that's all about you. So the church begins to diminish and lose its what? Power. When we look at the story of Samson, it's really about a man who loses power. It's about a man who doesn't understand what he is called and purposed by God to do. What does this man do? He hides his talents in the crown. When Jesus comes to collect, he says to the man that was faithful with the five and turned it to ten, well done, good and faithful servant. The man that had two and turned it into four, well done, good and faithful servant. And to the man who had one, he says, you should have at least put it in the bank that I could have drawn interest, but you've done nothing with it. You what? Wicked and lazy servant. The truth was he was afraid to what? Tend to what God had given him. When God put man and woman into the garden, what did he tell them to do? Look after it. They were called to be stewards. And today there is many people that are believers, but they're not stewards. There's many people that are believers, but not workers. How many of you know the laborers are what? And the harvest is? So there's many in here that come to get fed, but they don't know how to feed themselves. There's many here that come to give, so they live under the principle, if I give, I'll get. And so we've tried to do the least and acquire the most, and it doesn't work that way. Samson was being deceived by a woman by the name of Delilah. She was offered 1,100 pieces of silver. She was the progressive church. It's all about me. She had a payoff. She had a financial promise made to her if she could deliver her husband. What does she do? She pesters and pesters him until he tells her all that is within his what? Heart. Do you know that the word heart in Hebrew is the word leb? And the word leb means the centermost place of a man. It's talking about not just his heart. As a man thinketh 
in his heart. So he is. Can I proclaim to you that the leb is not just the heart, but it's the way a man thinks. Can I tell you what the enemy wants to do? He wants to send foreign things into your life. So the way you think changes when your way you think changes, your heart changes. And what was once important, what was once holy, which once was what's righteous is no longer as righteous or as holy. You begin to compromise because your mindset sees and looks at the gospel differently. And now the gospel is not about unto him, but it's unto me. And as long as it's about me, I don't need to serve my children. I don't need to honor my husband. I don't need to go to the church Monday through Friday. I don't need to go to the house of God and give tithes and offering. I don't need to go on special services because God wants me to be happy. Samson is about to be beguiled. What does she do next? She calls him and she lulls him to sleep. Where? At his knees. On her knees. He gets, she gets him to fall asleep on his lap. (sighs) Could it simply be that foreign things are trying to lull the church to sleep? He's trying to lull the church to sleep. He's trying to cause the house to become one that is full of slumber. Isn't it amazing that when it's time to read your Bible, you get sleepy. When it's time to pray, you get sleepy. When your moment is done, now it's not about being active and being a part of it. It's about doing what my flesh wants. And people often fall asleep in the house of God, fall asleep, get lulled to sleep, just like Samson. And before you know it, one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Bible begins to manifest in verse number 20. What does the verse say? And she lulled him to sleep. And she cried out to the Lord of the Philistines. He's told me everything that is in his heart. Come one last time. The Bible says that the Lord of the Philistines came And they shaved him bald. And she said unto him, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And what does he say? He said, I will shake myself free like times past, not knowing that his hair was shaved and his strength was gone. And he was ordinary like any other He was taken that very moment into captivity. She was paid off. There's no remorse. Because he was married to a foreigner, one who worshiped and served other gods. And I tell you that the ways of the world are trying to creep into the church, but it's going to take a man or a woman who understands the scripture, understands Christ-centeredness, Christology, one that will preach the gospel of the kingdom and not waver to the left or to the right, but will hold steadfast to the truth and proclaim his way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way else to the Father except through the Son. When you study the word, the way, it's a Greek word called hadas. This word translates and means it's a journey. Can I tell you that the reason you're on a journey because it's not about you. 
You can prove that in scripture in the book of Luke when you read the story of the good Samaritan. The two priests made the gospel about themselves. But the Samaritan is not on a short trip. He's on a long what journey. So he had provision for the unexpected. And so when a man was left for dead, he comes off of his animal and he comes down and meets the man where he is and he gives them two elements. What are the elements? He gives him wine and oil. The wine is to take away the pain. The oil is to heal it. I'm here to proclaim to you. The church has lost the covenant of ministering in wine and oil. The oil is symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit. Progressive church does not want power. The progressive church does not want the move of God's spirit. It wants something to entertain my flesh. It doesn't want to preach the way of the new covenant, which commands us to live at a greater level of consecration. The Bible says that if a man was caught in the act of adultery, he would be stoned unto death according to the law. But did you know that the Bible says that if you look at a woman with lust... You've committed adultery. Can I proclaim to you that the gospel of the new covenant commands you to live at a higher level of integrity. But yet what we want to do is we want to make the gospel of the covenant of the, the, the gospel of the kingdom and the power of the new covenant. We want to make it lesser when it's really more. So Samson, when you study his name, means sunlight. Where does a sunlight flow through? Flows through a window. One of the definitions of Samson's name is sunlight. But as you study, you will also understand that it means window. What does the sun shine through? The window. What do you do through a window? You look through. Can I tell you that if we were to look at Samson's life, we would see a man of moral failure. We would see a man of compromise, a man who hears God's word and disobeys every dot and tittle of it. He was called to be a Nazarite, consecrated, set apart. How many of you know you are called to be a Nazarite? Consecrated and set apart. But Samson is nothing more than the picture of a church that struggles. But if we look at Samson, not for his moral failures, but for what his name means, sunlight or a window, we would begin to realize we're not looking at Samson when we read it, we're looking through him. Because Samson is a picture of something that is yet to come. Samson is called to begin the process of deliverance. In the Old Testament, Christ is what? Concealed. In the New Testament, he's revealed. So when you look at Samson, you must begin to see that we're not looking at him for his moral failures. We're looking through him to see victory. Watch how powerful this is. Because Samson is lulled to sleep. He wakes up. His strength is gone. He's shaved bald. And what's the next thing that happens? He's tied to a post in his eyes. They're not gouged out. They're seared out. He's bound to a post. He has no strength to break the new ropes like he did in times past. You know what they did? They stuck a spear 
into the fire until it turned bright orange with a blue tip. And you know what they did? Like a marshmallow, they stuck it into his face, right into his eye socket. And in one moment, it melted the eye and cauterized it at the same time so there was no bleeding. Could you imagine the excruciating pain that this man is going through? How many of you know Jesus was bitten, beaten beyond all recognition? He suffered for our namesake. This doesn't happen once, but it happens again. And now, Samson is sightless. A people without vision, what? When you don't know what it is that God assigned you to. Your outlook is dim. Samson is now living in the dim outlook of his life. And so now the Lord of the Philistines are being drunk and merry. The Lord of the Philistines are partying it up, talking one to another. Look at our God, Dagon, has delivered unto us. Samson, the one who multiplied our dead. They're speaking of Samson on how they took him over, how they deceived him. How did they deceive him? With foreign women. Foreign things. Made it all about his pleasure. Church is now doing what Samson was doing. What was Samson doing? He became relegated to become a grinder in the prison. What is Samson doing? He's walking in cycles or circles. Did you know that cycles are not of God? Because according to the book of Ecclesiastes, God says that there is a time and a season for all things under the sun. Can I remind you that cycles are not of God. Cycles are of the enemy because it means I'll be coming around this mountain once again. It means that I haven't learned from my previous errors, my previous faults, because it's still about me and not about him. Samson is walking in a repetitive what? Circle. But he's doing the duty of an animal. He's doing the duty of the ox. And he's walking in cycles or in circles and he's grinding. But the question becomes, what is he grinding? Because we're not looking at Samson, we're looking through Samson. And we must begin to see the power of what is about to take place. Can I tell you if Samson was grinding something? Can I tell you what he was most likely grinding? He was grinding wheat. And what does wheat ground down become? Flour. And flour, when you add a little water and put a small fire to it, becomes bread. Can I tell you what Samson had going on at his feet? The enemy thought he was walking in cycles, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. The story does not end this way because I am the pure. I am the purest form of the broken down word of God and I'm falling at the feet. How lovely are the feet of them that preach the gospel of good news. Can I tell you, just then, right then, something was happening. A suddenly is taking place. I'm here to proclaim to you, don't miss your moment. God has an appointed time for transformation to take place, but you've got to seize the moment. Samson has bread or flour at his feet, which means the purest form of God's broken down word. The Philistine lords say, bring us Samson, the one who multiplied our dead, that he might what? Perform. Can I proclaim to you that the enemy is speaking a truth 
The church is just performing before God. It's not serious. It comes in and sits, raises its hand, sings a song, but their mind is somewhere else. You know, we use our gifts, but when it's time to be blessed, we're nowhere near. As long as we are in proximity, but not location, it's good enough. Can I tell you that I don't want to be in proximity to where the spirit of God is. I want to be in locale. What's the difference between proximity and location? Proximity means close to, locale means at the point. I am here to tell you today, there is many people that are here in the house of God, but some are in proximity and others are at locale. How do we know? How do we know? Can I tell you? By the fruit of your life. Your life gives fragrance to where you're at. Samson was signaled and sent for by the Lord of the Philistines. He had been in proximity, but now he's about to be be brought into a God location. The Bible says the lad led him by the hand when the Lord of the Philistines called for him. And he said these words, lead me to the innermost part of the temple. Lead me to the place where the temple is what? Held up. Lead me. The Bible says when the Lord of the Philistines saw Samson coming, they said, look, the one who used to multiply our dead. He's weak and he's defenseless. But they didn't see, nor did they perceive that hair was on his head. They thought his hair had to be long. It just had to grow. And I tell you, the church... When it recognizes who's on the head, there's power. Who's at the head of the church? It's Christ. And where he is, there's power by the work of the Holy Spirit. Am I too much? We could quit. We got to stir ourselves up. So here it is, Samson. Once again, we can look at him for every moral failure, for every wrong thing he did. But if you study his name, and it means sunlight, and it means window, we're not looking at him, we're looking what? So we're not looking at his faults and his failures. Can I tell you that when God the Father looks at you, he don't look at you, he looks through you. How do I know this? Because if he sees his son, he knows your sins are forgiven. Don't you remember when a man in the old covenant would sin, he would bring unto the priest what? A sacrifice in the form of a lamb. And that lamb had to be what? Spotless. And when the priest would examine the what? And if the lamb was found to be blemish free, he would say to the man, go and sin no more. So here it is. When sin was brought before the priest, what did the, sin, what did the priest look at, the man or the sin? Let me say it right. When the lamb was brought before the priest, did the priest look at the man and his sin, or did he look at the lamb? I'm here to tell you that it's the same way in the new covenant. 
God's not looking at you. He's looking through you. And guess who he sees? He sees Christ, the spotless lamb in your life. And he looks upon you and says, you are redeemed. He's not looking at you. He's looking through you to see he who lives in you. When he recognizes him, your sins are pardoned or forgiven and you're set free. Samson now comes to the innermost part of the temple. And what does he do? For the first time in his life, he lifts up a prayer. Samson does 14 mighty acts in the Bible, but only this one time do you ever, ever hear him pray. We think prayer is hard. Prayer is easy. We think prayer are for the intercessors and those that are special. No, prayer are for those who need relationship with God. Samson prays the most simplistic prayer. What is his prayer? Lord, remember me, I pray. What's Samson's prayer? Lord, remember me. We think the word remember speaks to our Western civilization that says, call me into remembrance. One definition. But if you know that re and member are two words put together, a prefix plus a subject, a root word. The root word is member. Anybody here have a Costco card? If you have a card, you are a member to a club. The word member means attachment to. When he's saying re, he's saying, I recognized because of my foreign affairs that I have been disconnected. But I am now praying, Lord, reattach me to my rightful identity and my God-given assignment. And the Lord hears his prayer. And Samson says, with one great push, let me take vengeance on the Philistine for the loss of my what? Eyes. For my vision. A people without vision what? Perish. A people with vision die in glory. So what does Samson do? He begins to push on the center of the pillars holding up the temple. What temple is being held up? Dagon's temple. Did you know one of the definitions of Dagon is the God of all flesh? Samson was fighting with the spirit of what? Carnality, flesh, progressive Christianity. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's just repackaged and repurposed. And the language changes. Pastor Michael and I have lived long enough to see what was in in our day. Come back in another day. Do you recognize that? Styles and trends. They all what? They all cycle. That's exactly what is taking place in the body of Christ. There's going to be a reawakening. 
There's going to be a fresh movement. There's going to be a, a demonstration of power. There's going to be a change and a transformation. It's going to come because the people are going to suddenly come awake and they're not going to be lulled to sleep anymore. They're not going to dwell with what is foreign and unclean. They're going to dwell in righteousness and truth and understand the purposes of God and his kingdom. What does Samson do? Lord, remember me, I what? And he begins to push with all of his what? Might. Goliath was a Philistine. And when David went to go fight him, scholars believe that he pounded on his belly and says, am I a dog? That you send me a child to fight. Am I a dog? You come to me with sticks and stones. Today, I will take the head of this warrior off of him. I'll feed his body to the beast of the field and his head to the birds of the air. And the God of my flesh will deliver him into what does David do? He responds, he retaliates, and he says, This day the God of the heavens and of the earth will deliver your head into my hands. Not my hands, into our hands. Corporate anointing. He will take your head from you by my hands, and I'll feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the Lord will deliver you for Israel's sake. Can I proclaim to you? That when Samson begins to push on the temple pillars that holds it up, what was about to crumble? The God of the what? All flesh. Samson is not to be viewed at for his failures and his moral shortcomings, he's not to be looked at as a sinner. Because we've all sinned. He's to be looked through from the old covenant into the as a window. And so when Samson begins to push, you're not looking at him, you're looking. And Samson pushed with all of his might until he becomes a picture of the finished work of Calvary. He becomes a picture of the cross. He becomes the image of what is to become. We're not looking at him. We're looking through him. And if we look through him, we're going to see his end. Is His life is being crushed by a temple called the God of the flesh. Jesus was the man who knew no what? Sin. But God turned him over and he became all sin for us. What was Jesus crushed by? The sin of the world. Can I tell you, on that faithful day, two things came out of him, blood and water. They rent him from top to bottom. How many of you know it's a picture of being washed from sin in a cup of a new covenant? His blood was turned into wine. Can I tell you, it's a picture of greater things. I want to get ready to conclude right here because we could take this to Calvary's cross. Jesus is positioned between two thieves, one on his right, one on his left. 
And when he is positioned there, the first man opens his mouth and he eerily sounds like the man found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. When Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of whom? Satan. The first man opens his mouth and said, if thou art the Christ, save yourself and us. Doesn't that sound like Satan himself? Save us. It's all about me. There was no repentive nature. There was no transformation. It was all about me. Save me. Save me. Save me. It's all about the fun and the pleasures of the world. I've dabbled with foreign women and I'm not ready to quit. But the second man hanging on the opposite side, what does he say? Let him alone. This man is innocent. He's done no what? Wrong. You and I are being punished for our sins. And the second thief opens his mouth and he says these words. Jesus, remember me where? In your kingdom. Say, hmm. Let's try that again. Say, hmm. Because what was said next is perplexing. Jesus said to the man, today you shall be with me where? What does the word paradise When you study the word paradise from the Greek, it means Eden. So one thief says, if thou art the Christ, save us and yourself. Sounds like who? Satan. Who did Satan deceive? Man. Who's the second man hanging on the cross? Remember me. Remember me. What does remember mean? Reattach me to the kingdom. Jesus said, I'm reattaching you to what? To paradise. Who's the only man that lived in paradise? It's a picture. It's a picture of what God does. He restores the man of sin. The fallen nature man, he restores them to where? Eden. (laughs) The place where all things grow. The place where all things are mature. The place where all things are fruitful. Can I proclaim to you that God is looking for a messenger of the cross, not one that will look and point out the failures and the faults and the shortcomings, not one that's going to preach at sin consciousness and sin awareness, but one that's going to preach the gospel of a king and a kingdom. Can I tell you, if you don't understand the kingdom message, if you don't know the king of the kingdom, then you're just the second half of the word. Dome. Translate it in slang. A man that does not know the king of the kingdom is just dumb. People that come and play church, I don't got time to play Christianity. 
I ain't got time to make it about me. It's not about what I can line my pockets with. It's what I can do to advance the kingdom. I preach the gospel of the kingdom because I love God's people. I prophesy and minister to people because I love God's people. I do it because not only am I called, I was chosen for such a work as this. I do it and I'm passionate. Why? Because I understand that I am going to be held accountable for every word that I speak and everything that I do here in the earth. I am called by God to be a difference maker. What are you called for? Genesis, the upper room. How can you call yourself an upper room if you're not willing to live to the standard of above? I want you to really think about that. Because if you're an upper room man or an upper room woman, when you come out of the upper room, you got to come down to the earth to minister to one found in Acts 3 that's sitting at a gate called Beautiful, who's living in a wrong image, who's looking down at the ways of the world and say, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have, that phrase do have means dunamis, glorious, magnificent, mighty, dynamic power. Rise up! You don't have the power to raise a man or a woman up out of a lesser, then you're not an upper room person. Oh, it sounds good, but it's not about what it sounds like. It's about demonstrating it. I'm a demonstrator of the kingdom. I'm a revealer of truth. Samson, let me conclude right here. Can you play the keyboard for me? Thank you, Israel. I know he wasn't expecting that. That young man carries glory. When God wants to do something, he brings a man's life to an end. To begin the process of what? Freedom. Did you know that freedom didn't come after Samson gave his life? For another hundred years, when David defeated Goliath, God prepared it that day, but no one entered into it until David destroyed another giant. How many giants does God have to destroy before you believe? Do you know when God said to Israel in the book of Joshua, go and possess the land? After Caleb destroyed Kajar Sefer and the giant there that had 24 fingers and toes. You know what that represents? The elders in the heaven, the false, false rulers. He pulled them down. And then his brother Othaniel went and took the lower springs. When you study his name, it means the lion-hearted. God raised up a man by the name of Caleb, a man of a different spirit 
to go possess the land. They crossed over, but they didn't take the land until David. You want to know how long that was? 150 years. From when God said they could have it till someone possessed it. They didn't find freedom for 150 years. Well, I don't plan on being along that long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so freedom is now. Amen. Freedom is not tomorrow. Freedom is when you receive it. Genesis, the upper room, I'm here to challenge you. Take the power of prayer that God has given you, the victory he's poured into you, and go and demonstrate it on the earth. It's not good enough to be filled. God doesn't fill you so you're like, Woo, I feel good. Because it's all about me. No, he filled you to go and demonstrate the kingdom. Open your mouth. Say something. Stretch forth your hand. Do something. Don't be a people. They go, well, I feel good. You know what drives me crazy? People tell me, oh, God gave me this dream. I said, what does it mean? I don't know. Did you know that if God gave you a dream, he gave you an assignment and you didn't take time to figure it out what it is? So you're simply saying, God, thank you for speaking, but it's not really important. How many of you got dreams that you have no idea what they mean? I want to help you. Okay? Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, 2 o'clock, on everything prophetic, I am going to help people understand their dreams. I'm going to help you interpret them. Because I'm tired of seeing the church be slapped around by progressive Christianity. I'm tired of a people not knowing who they are. I'm tired of the church being weak and wimpy. Tired of serving soft Christianity. If I told you the name of this church, you would be appalled at my next statement. Because I guarantee you, every one of you at one time heard of the book or read it. I had a friend leave this mega church. Because there was a man in the crowd that began to raise his hand and cry out and say, I need healing. I need deliverance. I need someone to pray for me. I'm hearing strange voices. Weird things are happening. I need help. You know what they did? They called the cops, had that man arrested and thrown into a crazy bin. And then talked about it. And I proclaim to you that when a church has no power, when a church has no authority, People hurt. I'm tired of seeing Christians hurting. Tired of seeing Christians depressed. Tired of seeing them with no fight in them. Tired of seeing them being pushed around. Tired of them talking about devils more than they are.
Christ. Tired of it. Ain't got time. So my desire is to train up a people. If you haven't heard about my SOAR class, just go to SOARclass.com. There I'm teaching people how to operate in the prophetic. This used to be the place where the largest class of SOAR history was held, right here. Then COVID happened. Plan of the ways of the world. Trying to silence the church. It's all right, now we're online and we're in seven nations. We didn't stop, we just repackaged. We're working it. So if you want to learn, go to soarclass.com. Pastor Mike and Yvonne, Pastor Yvonne, they'll tell you, others that were a part of our SOAR school here, (laughs) they'll tell you how in depth, can I tell you that I've done nothing but add to the curriculum. (laughs) It's twice as much as it used to be. We're teaching it twice a week, twice a month, excuse me. Now I'm giving you my glossary. I'm giving you my notes. I'm giving you everything that I've studied 30 years for because I want you to take it, put it into your language and train others. Can you imagine? Every class I go through, I have about 15 pages of notes, but I have over 45, 50 pages written down. Because I spend hours and hours researching to make known God's plan. You know what people tell me all the time? Why do you charge for it? Because I paid a life for it. Why don't you just give it for free? The gospel's free. No, salvation's free. The gospel costs. I have to pay a staff. I have to edit it and produce it. (laughs) That doesn't just... God doesn't do it. He gave me people that are willing to use their skills to help promote it to a world. But you know what the church doesn't want to do? Don't want to make an investment into anything. Give me. Because it's all about me. But when it's all about him, you recognize a seed never leaves your life. It just leaves your hand. Just leaves your hand. doesn't leave your life. God is doing something right here, right now. He's preparing you for where he's taking you. When I look in this room, I see so many people full of purpose and destiny. Young lady in the yellow, three rows back, far left. I want to tell you that you're not called to be oppressed or depressed. You're not called to be weak. You're not called to be overwhelmed and live in fear or with anxiety. You're not called to be fearful or afraid. The Bible says that you were perfectly wonderfully made in his image and his likeness there is a king that lives inside of you who is a ruler over all and i heard the spirit of god say today i will begin the process of raising you up out of fear worry doubt insecurity i will begin to raise you and teach you the truth of who you are and you will become a woman of power You won't be afraid of spiritual things and you will not fear wickedness. You will fear the Lord 
and him only. I heard the Spirit of God say, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. And when you open your mouth, my presence will come forth. God says, I long to put my presence upon you to bring healing into your life. Because the days of insecurity from your childhood that still haunt you today, he said, I want to break those fears from you and bring you into a place of peace. The Lord says, I didn't cause you to be fearful at night. He said, I called you to enter into rest. My Bible says he gives his beloved and that's who you are, sweet rest. Am I making any sense? Will you rise to your feet? I just want you to come up out of the land you're in. Come this way. I heard it's only part truth. Can I tell you what God's looking for? He's not looking for faithfulness. He's looking for fruitfulness. You know what we like to do? We like to promote people that have been faithful. Yeah, but if they're not fruitful, wherever I put them, they become a cap and a limitation. A dog is faithful. You know what my dog does when I open the door? He run outside faithfully to pee on his tree. Faithful. But when he gets mad every here and again, you know what he does? He acts out. And so he tries to make a statement. I'm going to pee on this or that. And guess what he has to learn? He's not alpha. He don't make the rules. Can I tell you that you're not alpha in this house? The Lord is, and he has anointed a man and a woman as headship. So when you think your idea is better than theirs, you're out of order. When you don't live to the standard that they're living to, you're out of order. Can I tell you that I watch this man. We're friends. I watch him when we've been in other services. You know what I see him doing? When they call to come worship at the altar, guess what he does? Did you know that this man is a pointer in the house of God? You know what a pointer is? A pointer is a dog right when a man goes pheasant hunting he takes dogs with him you know what dogs do when they pick up a fragrance these dogs when they're hunting what do they do can i tell you that the dog that catches the fragrance goes on point dog two dog three may not have smelled the fragrance but when the dog that smelled it goes on point they do something called honoring the point. What does this phrase, honor the point, mean? They point exactly in the same direction that the lead dog is pointing in. Have you ever come to church and you're struggling? All you got to do is honor the point. This guy was on point the moment worship started. 
He went from there to up here. Bowed down, lifted up. He did all of these different what? Acts that demonstrated what God was doing. It wasn't the worship leader in the songs. It was a man who understands where the heavens are open. When you struggle, all you got to do is honor the point. Find the one that's experiencing God. Get near them. And guess what happens? You experience God. Or you can sit back there with your hands folded. See, God has all these signs for us, but we're clueless because it's all about me, progressive Christianity. Today, God's looking for a man or a woman to respond. Maybe you're here and you've been in a difficult place and you don't know the way out. Can I tell you where it is? The way out is in the altar. Why the altar? Because this is a place where prayers go up. When you come to prayer meetings, where do you guys do? You walk around this what? Altar. How do I know? I feel the fragrance. I feel the presence. People come and lay down. Cry. Snot. Didn't you hear the man say it? Snot. That's not oil. I'm telling you. When you are struggling, it's not hard. Go to where you know the presence is. When you're hungry and you feel like McDonald's, you don't go to Burger King. You go to McDonald's because that's where your fix is. Well, if you need Jesus, come to where you know he is. Monday, it's open. They don't check your ID. I'm like, well, I don't, you're a little strange fire. And uh, they're like, bring your strange fire self right here. Because what is holy will consume it. You know why a man doesn't change? You know why a man doesn't change? Say why. Because he don't want to. He don't want to. Isn't that crazy? He don't want to. Oh, they know what they should give up. They know what they should lay down. They're like, next week. Foolish man. Tomorrow's not promised. Young man with the baseball cap, warrior's cap. Just stand on your feet right there, sir. This is what I heard the Spirit of God say. I want to fill your mouth with evangelistical fire. I want you to be one that would not be afraid nor ashamed to open your mouth and testify of how good I am. As you share how I love you, as you share 
of how I've been good, those in your workplace and family will be turned in a day. God says, the fields are ripe and you have the words of a genuine contrite heart that will pull them into my house. God says, like Peter, this is your season to cast out your nets because a harvest is due you. God says, as you cast out your nets and share my word, be not surprised at the weight of the catch. God says, I am looking to reposition your house financially. I am looking to expand your quarters. I am doing things right now to answer the prayers that are being prayed. I, the Lord, have heard them and I say yes. Yes in this season and yes to the season to come. I hear the Lord say by 2024, everything that you have been crying out for, look for the marker, line up to the sign and watch the times change. God says favor and grace has been put upon you and your mouth is the key to unlock the blessing that I have. Surely you will see it, but even greater with your hands, you will possess it. This is the season of possession. This is the season of acquiring land. This is a season of taking territory and pushing back the ways of the enemy in your household and amongst your family genie for the way of the Lord will be bright and my way will bring many into the kingdom. For if one in the house serves me, so shall the household come unto salvation. For a brand new day has come, says the Spirit of God. All the way in the back, the young lady. I heard the Spirit of God say, this is the season to serve big. I don't know why, but I saw you like a volleyball player with the ball thrown up in the air. And you know what I saw was a jump serve. And as the volleyball crossed the net, I saw it get volleyed up, bumped up, set, and come back over. And I feel like you have been trying to defend the court. And as the ball is going back and forth, it feels like the more that it's being volleyed, the less your confidence becomes. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, I'm about to give you a super serve. Because the first time I saw you throw the ball in the air and serve it, you just wanted to get it over. But now I hear the Lord say, it will come up as aces. Meaning it will be a perfect serve because it won't be you. It'll be Christ through you. I heard the Lord say, I am bringing about a serving over your family. I'm about to hit the spot where the enemy has tried to, to, to volley things back and forth like a ping pong. You have felt like everything's going back and forth, back and forth. God says, this is the day of the slam. I am bringing completion to the things that have been volleyed back and forth. It's almost like things are being tossed back and forth. Well, what about this? How about this? How about this? How about that? Well, what if we did? It's over. I heard the spirit of the Lord say, it is now coming to the critical moment where all things change, but it's been favorable to you. This is the season of the slam. This is the season of the ace. It's the season where the perfect things are established and the victory comes. The Lord says, this is your perfect season. 
This is your perfect moment. This is what you've been crying for. Everything in your house has changed. It is marked favorable. The Lord says, I say unto you, Acts chapter 9. You are Ananias. Ananias' name means favored and graced. God says, I have put favor on you. Like Anna. This is the season to see the way of the Lord. It's the season to lay your hands upon the souls of Tarsus and the eyes be opened. Have I not said unto you, this is a brand new day. You will see the things that were once breathing threats coming against you suddenly rise up and be with you. God said when Ananias laid hands on Saul of Tarsus, scales fell off in his eyes, saw, and he began to preach that Jesus was the son of God. I'm here to tell you, everything has changed, Anna, in your favor. Come on, someone say yes! God knows what he's saying. He know what he's doing. He know who he's reaching to. He's changing things. Hallelujah. It's changing thing. Genesis, I love your heart. I heard the Spirit of God say, there's new things that I'm putting in your heart. Worship is about to expand. You're not just going to be one who sings, but you'll be one who also plays. God says, I want to expand your hands on the keyboard. I want to expand your gifting. There's a sound in your hands. God says, but that sound is only going to be enhanced when you begin to write. God says, I'm putting you in a season of writing. And in that season of writing, you're going to have to start pushing notes and keys. And I don't know why, but I see your like iPad and I see like the piano and I see different chords and I see you strumming and looking for chords and pushing. It's not like you're fully trained. You have an idea, but you don't have a full idea. And I see you doing something and I hear you finding the key to match what you're hearing in the heavens. And then your hands are going to begin to write. You'll push it again and it'll begin to write. You're going to learn chord progressions. So it will help aid you in the songs that God is giving you. God says these songs will be songs of killing and songs of gladness, songs that refresh, songs that will come out of the messages that are preached and it will carry the flavor of the house to release a sound. God says you are a sound of worship. You are an expression that will be heard and many will rejoice at the atmosphere that you help cultivate. God says, get ready because there is a new sound that's going to visit you. I see you in two places where you get lost. One is in your bathroom. You get lost in your bathroom worshiping and the other is your room. You lock yourself in both of those rooms and you begin to sing. And you sing differently there than you do here because you will sing the song you know and then you'll sing the song from a flow. God says, I want the song of the flow to be sung in the house. The song of the flow 
is what brings about glory and sets the heart of a people free. Get ready, says the Lord, because the song of the flow of your room, your bathroom, will become the song of the house that will set a people at liberty. For surely I am with you, says the Spirit of God. That's good stuff. Jesus. His presence is here. Thank you, Israel, for always being a willing servant. This young man never says no to anything. Him, Amber, or Emmanuel. They're so willing. This guy moved from Santa Rosa to Merced. With no place to live, he said, I'll sleep in my car if I have to. Because he wanted to be a part of what God is doing prophetically. And God has helped him. It hasn't been easy. But God has helped him again and again. Can I tell you that that's what God wants to do? You've got to be willing to take risks. You know what most people don't ever want to do? Risk it. They don't want to go all in. Can I tell you, down the street, there was a big church back in the day. If I told you the name, you would remember it, so I won't. <laughs> now they're literally just down the street, have a new name. But I went to this prophetic conference, Pastor Mike, and I wanted to go in, and they said no, because I didn't have a green bracelet. The only way you could apprehend a green bracelet was to pay $75. Well, I had drove from Southern California to Northern California to serve the man of God. But I didn't know it was a $75 entry, free, entry fee for a morning conference. So I shared with them that I'm here to serve the prophet. The prophet literally said, hey, he's with me. And they said, well, he can't go into this room unless you pay. So I said, okay, I won't go in the room. So you know what they did? They opened a window and I stood outside. Oh, I didn't let a no keep me from what I was desiring. I didn't let a system that was holding to a law with no bend keep me from what I was desiring. I was desiring to hear the prophet's flow. So I stand outside of a window while everyone's sitting in air conditioning and on a nice, wonderful chair like these. hundred people, three prophets prophesying. Two prophets never looked at me because I wasn't part of the crowd. But one prophet would look at me and growl because he was mad at the system. And after about being there for over an hour standing, sun beating on me, them prophesying, he finally just reached his hand through the window, grabbed me by the back of my nape, back of my head, hard, grabbed me forcibly, and then shouted, everything that God has placed in me because of your hunger and your unwilling, unwillingness to quit, your desire to serve me is so great. I release the presence of God into your life. 
all that God had imparted, I felt it. Fire hit me. I had no catcher. I had no carpet. I had no blankie. You know what I had? An encounter. I fell out, shook like a shot squirrel. Under the power of God. I don't know when they finished. I don't remember them walking by me. But when I got up, I was a new man. I didn't just sit there for a moment and get toasty. I stayed there till God was done. People say, oh, you're a little bold. No, I know the price I've paid. And some people take boldness for arrogance. And I'm neither. I'm not arrogant. I am bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So in him, I'm bold. But I ain't afraid. I've seen demonic powers face to face. They don't make me back up. They make me press in. Because I know who he is. You can't stand up here and preach a message without knowing him. And release the kingdom. Demonstrate power. Where does the kingdom come from? Inside of you. I want that young man way in the back. Come here. There is a call on your life, Mr. eBay 1995. <laughs> Young man's under the glory. Yes. Presence is here. She look at her. She, she don't know what to do. She can't contain herself. She's under that laughter. Isn't it funny? He's under a different glory than her. And look at her. She's just weeping. She's making, she's making faces. Some people cry ugly. She don't. My goodness. His presence is here. Cultivated presence brings change. You know, you realize when you have good ground, it's full of nutrients. And those that are depleted come and get filled. Pastor Michael, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, this ground is mineral rich. You, your family, and your leadership, your, you, your wife, your leadership have cultivated a land that is saturated with minerals. Minerals are vital for organs, for the body, for hydration. I heard the Lord say, many people have come to a place that is filled with religion but it does not quench their thirst. The Lord says this house is full of minerals. And the water they drink energize, energizes their cells. But in the process, I make it my new covenant wine. 
And I cause them to believe big. God says there will be many that will come in. They'll be depleted, but they'll leave and they'll be full. They'll be running over. He says, because the well of this house is full of good sources. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, I am now going to begin to move in a greater capacity. I'm going to begin to move in a greater dimension. And I'm going to redirect people to the flow of this house. When the river flows, it flows to good places. God says, I'm bringing them through this place. Rivers all point towards the ocean, which is God's love. And God says, I've healed these waters. He says, and I've made them rich. And the scripture that came to me about the mineral source is 2 Kings 2.19. The men of the city said to Elisha, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad. The ground is barren. Elijah said, bring me a new bowl, put salt in it. Well, you know that salt, the right salt, has what? Mineral deposits. Religion has depleted it, but the message of the kingdom and life that you proclaim has mineralized it. This water is not full of death or barrenness, it's full of life. And God says, I'm going to bring a people right here that they could come and experience life. That they will be mineralized by my presence, by my word, by my spirit. And their hearts will be changed. Their lives will be transformed and the ways of God will be known. The Lord says this place has a deposit of salt. Why is this so important? Because we are called to be salt of the what? Earth. God says this place is a place of seasoning. It's a place where people will come in. Salt is also a healing agent on wounds. And God says those that are hurting, they'll be healed. And you can't mess with salt because salt can also be used as a weapon. Did you know that? You could go and salt a field and burn it. But God says this house has a weapon. It has a mineral source. It has a flavoring and a healing anointing that when a people come in, they'll be hydrated with my presence and be made new. God says, this ground is rich for the healing of the nations, for the healing of people, for the healing of the brokenhearted. God says, get ready because you're going to see people suddenly of other churches and other areas come and say, I must come and pray in this house. And there they will be filled with the fresh oil. And they will be seasoned with the sovereignty to go back to places and season their family. For God says this house is rich in a mineral deposit. And he says, and I am the deposit. I am the source that's going to fill my body. Heal it for the work of the nations. God says great things are coming out of this house from this day forward says the spirit of God when I say great I'm not taking away so let me say it this way greater things greater things are coming forth I just release that into the man of God
to his leadership, and to his house. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Thank the Lord. All right. By the grace of the man of God, he's allowed me to share our partnership and also present you with an opportunity to sow into an atmosphere. Say atmosphere. Do you realize that this atmosphere is rich? Let me say that again. This atmosphere is rich. Think of words that describe what you sense right now. What's a word? Wonder? Wonder. What else? Presence. How about love? What else do you feel in the room? Joy. Peace. Glory. What else? Hope. Say again. Contentment. Provision. Provision. How about breakthrough? So we just listed seven, eight verbs describing what? An atmosphere. Actually, adjectives describing atmospheres. So we have seven or eight encounters of what the Holy Spirit is doing in this room. And it's in one room. He's doing seven or eight different things. Because this house is a house of minerals. It has a wealthy deposit. This house is what? Rich. With encounter, with experience. Did you know that what God loves is what? A cheerful giver. Someone who is rich. I'm not talking about financial wealth. Because God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there doesn't mean happy only. It explains why one is happy. That word comes from benefactor. The reason you're joyful is because you understand the benefits you have as a citizen in his kingdom. You know what gives a man or the woman an opportunity to sow joyfully? Is when one has received the benefits of the kingdom. Watch this. What is the principle of God? What is the gospel based on? If we can choose one verse out of the whole Bible that describes God, what would it be? Love. What scripture would we give to people to explain the Bible? John 3.16. And what does that verse say? For God so loved the world, he He didn't give grudgingly, angrily, hastily. He gave because he understood Jesus was a benefactor. What was the benefit he was going to bring? He was going to bring back to God sons of God that were lost through the fall of Adam that became sons of men. Did you know that without Jesus being given... Sons of men would not have the right to be sons of God. He's your benefactor. He's your benefit. So God joyfully gave his son so he could receive joyfully his sons. You realize without the gift of a man laid down, 
we could not become the benefit of the kingdom. Someone say, wow. wow. That was a mouthful. Yeah. Amen. I guarantee you, most of you have never mar- really marinated on that thought. Like, wow, I'm saved because someone was given. Oh, you know it in principle, but when you think about it from what was spoken, your mind goes, well, this is what I'd like to do. I would like to present you the opportunity to sow into a ministry that's advancing the kingdom, demonstrating the power, and sharing the love of God so men and women around the world could be saved. There's two ways you can give on this envelope, which I'm going to ask the ushers if they would just serve it to all the people. Because the ones that are going to give, they're going to give. But there's others that are thinking about giving. And sometimes all you need is a point of contact. On the envelope, on the inside leaf, you will recognize there's two places to give. You could give a one-time offering on the right side, or you could choose to partner with LIVG Ministries. When you partner with us, what you're saying is, I want that that happened here to happen everywhere he goes. I want his online reach to grow to every nation in the earth. We want to see and help by partnering with this ministry to see lives touched, hearts changed by the gospel of the kingdom. You realize that when you partner with what God is doing, it brings blessing. You know what most people like to do, Pastor Mike? They like to do something and go, God bless it. Instead of asking God, where is your blessing? And come under it. Our ministry is blessed. Right now, we just purchased a brand new building. 7,000 square feet. For one year, I've been paying a mortgage, but I haven't been able to step into it. Because city planning takes forever. So I'm tied up for hopefully just one more week, and then we'll get green-lighted to build. I'm excited. All I need is a million dollars. That's it. I could, with a million dollars, think about this. I could pay off a building, 7,000 square feet, pay it off. Pay it off, 7,000 square feet. Pay it off and build it out completely. That's cheap in California because God worked a miracle for us to possess the property. And so when you sow your one-time amount or choose to partner with us, guess what that does? It helps us fulfill everything we're doing. You know what we like to do? We like to see people limited instead of seeing people blessed. (laughs) Let me say that again because many of you missed it. We like to see people limited instead of seeing people blessed. Why is that? Because many times we don't want someone to experience what we don't have. Instead of celebrating what God's doing. Why? Here it is. 
When you begin to celebrate what God's doing, it means you're coming into agreement with it. Principle. Psalms 133. How pleasant and wonderful it is that brethren dwell together in unity. unity in accord. Say agreement. agreement. The word agree in the Greek is a word called symphoneo. It comes from the word symphony. Well, who's the one that orchestrates the symphony to be one sound? The conductor. Can I tell you who the conductor is? It's the Lord himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't realize that you can be part of a harmonious sound, you become an instrument playing out of key, out of tune, out of turn. How many of you know that nobody wants to go to a place where there's noise. They want to go where there's a what? Sound. So when you come into agreement with the sound, guess what God does? He assembles things. Let me get ready to conclude. In Ezekiel 37, God asked the prophet a question. Can these what? Bones live. What does the prophet say? Lord, you know. Then God said to him, prophesy when the prophet came into agreement with what God said there was a sound a symphoneo that was released that symphoneo caused dried and scattered bones to rattle to shake and what come together can I tell you how you can get things that are scattered or dry separated and unbuilt in your life to come together to be an exceeding great army is when you come into agreement with what God is blessed. Our ministry is blessed. God's providing us opportunities. Do we have more than enough? No, not yet. But we're blessed to be able to pay for a mortgage for one year, though we haven't occupied the building yet. And we also get to pay for a lease. I'm, I am paying for 7,000 square feet. And I get to operate in 1,000. I feel a little cramped. Yes. <laughs> because I'm paying, but I'm not experiencing. But I know that God is about to what? Make a... And when the way is made, guess what we're going to need? People to partner with us. And so I'm presenting you an opportunity to partner with LIVG Ministries as your pastors have for so many years with us to be a part of what God's doing next. Because we're family. I'll tell you this, I'll be back. I can say it with boldness because I know this is a place that I visit. This is a house in which I've been well-received. And so today, I would just like to present you the opportunity on the left-hand side for as little as $10 a month or whatever God places in your heart. You can partner with us and help us see the 7,000-square-foot facility be built out. Can you imagine if 10 people did it? That's $100 that comes from Genesis. If you did it for 20, that's $200 a month. That's not a lot, but when we all work together, it becomes what? Doable. I'm just asking you, if you were blessed by the message we shared and the demonstration that came, would you partner with us? Maybe you can't do that today, 
but you could sow a seed of any amount. If you don't want to give cash, check, you can give on that scan code. All you have to do is put your phone to it, and guess what it'll do? It'll take you right to the website, and you can sow online. For those of you that are online, don't just listen. Don't just be one that says, thank you very much. Be one that participates. Amen. Amen. I want to pray a simple prayer that you would hear God and respond. That's it. Father, speak, Lord. Your servant's here. And as you speak and they hear, may they respond according to your word. Father, I ask you that you would pour out generously upon them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. May your goodness come upon the house. I thank you for every seed being sown, for every giver of the house. I thank you for it now. I bless them in the name of the Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. As you fill that out, don't leave just yet. You could probably hold that up, pass it to an end, and then we could have one of the ushers go by and receive that. That would be great. I want to let you know on the back counter on your way out, for those of you that have never read our book, Discovering and Releasing Your Prophetic Voice, it'll change your life. 